Podcast episode 126. Your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And no guests this week. This is a special solo episode, but I'm actually including it in the numbered series. And I'm going to do that from now on because I don't know why I was separating these from the numbered episodes. I think I wanted people to be able to search, you know, by guest um, in terms of the numbered episodes, but. You know, you're pretty smart. You don't need me to make these separate. And I think that, I don't know if that increases their attractiveness or diminishes that. I really have no idea. But this is one of those episodes that I'm not going to edit. This is where I'm basically sitting down, talking into a mic, and you're going to get whatever you're going to get. Now, I have something I want to talk about in mind. But as I record this on Sunday, as of Saturday night, my youngest daughter was up the previous night from like 12.45 to 4.15. Which, those of you who are parents, and if you are a parent, you know what that's like and what that does to you. So I'm wrecked. I'm destroyed today. I feel like garbage. I'm basically sitting here talking into this mic, sort of half conscious, half aware of what's going on. Uh, it also bears note that I'm drinking. Uh, just because at this point, what else are you going to do? Really? I mean, what other choice is there? So I've got this, uh, voodoo ranger from new Belgium. It's an eight hop pale ale. Uh, it's pretty good. I was not real keen on new Belgium for a while, but, uh, they've been doing a nice job coming back around this voodoo ranger series. I think is nice. They've also got a new like uh, session beer called day blazer. And it's like low in ABV. It's a golden ale. I'm not usually, or it's either golden or blonde ale. I can't remember. Whatever it is, I'm not usually into that style, but it's designed to compete with the macros. So, you know, Coors, Bud, Miller, uh, all, all the big beers, AB InBev, you know, Stella, Corona, whatever, all those beers. And I drink some of that, and it's good. I mean, it's a, it's a real porch pounder, as the guy at my liquor store calls it. And you can drink it all day, but it's got real nice flavor. It's got sort of a, a crisp breadiness, uh, you know, little tiny bit of hop character. But, um, yeah, it's it's delightful. The the 8 Hop Pale Ale, uh, I, I give it a thumbs up. It's nice. Ah, yeah. So there you go. It's drinking time. Also, we're coming into spring. Now, when this episode goes live, I will be in Phoenix visiting my mother-in-law. And hopefully checking out some spring training, but it's supposed to be 80 degrees down there. And it was 80 uh, a couple of weeks ago here in Denver, which is always weird in February because I consider February to be the worst month. And that's not any kind of commentary. Actually, that's exactly what that is. That is commentary on everything. But February, I'm not generally a fan of. I picture it just very bleak, very dark, very snowy. This February was not like that. This February was pretty damn nice, all things considered. It did snow a couple of times, which kind of threw me off. I'm like, hey, why is it snowing? Well, hello, ass face. It's winter. You know, it is February. 
Um, this isn't June. This isn't July. Uh, this is when it generally snows. So you wearing your flip-flops and drinking on the patio, that's not the norm. What is the norm is actually snow. But that's a long way of saying this February was pretty nice weather-wise. And this is kind of just me stalling as I get ready to tell you about what I want to talk about. Because when I interviewed Keenan, and I know I've talked about this before, so I'm going to make this brief, at episode 99, he's head of a sales guy. And that was one of my favorite episodes. That guy, I always like when I have to feel like I keep up with an interviewer or an interviewee. I like feeling like it's a challenge. I want to make sure I keep their energy up. I keep their pace going. And Keenan is one of the most caffeinated, driven dudes I've ever talked to. When the mics were off, he asked me, he's like, so what's the point of your show? And I'm like, what's the point of my show? What the fuck are you talking about? What does that even mean? I The point of my show is to put out a good product that eventually people want to pay for so I can just do this full time. I love this show. And he goes, yeah, but why? Like, what's the point? Like, what what do you hope to accomplish? You know, why? what are you trying to do? And I told him, I'm like, look, I, I feel uncomfortable promoting this show because I am not a born self-promoter. And he goes, isn't that your whole fucking job? Like, isn't that what you do? Aren't you in communications and marketing and PR? And, like, aren't you there to draw attention to the people that you represent? What are you talking about? And he's like, I wish I had that recorded because hearing you say that uh, is hilarious. So here it is now. That's fine. And I thought about that for a minute. He goes, okay, if you were confident about your show, think of it this way. If someone was riding their bike toward a cliff and they were clearly going to go over and you go, hey, watch out for that fucking cliff. Don't go off the cliff. You wouldn't just go, oh, well, I guess they didn't hear me. That's too bad. You would say, look out for that goddamn cliff, and you would run up to them, and you would stop them, and you would physically get in their face because you are saving their life, right? Think of promotions the same way. And I said, yeah, the stakes are different. He goes, yeah, they are, but we're talking about a difference in degree, not a difference in kind. And I thought, okay, that's fair. He's like, if you believe in what you're doing, and if you understand the point of your show, you will not hesitate in promoting the shit out of it. And I thought about that, and he's right. I shouldn't have shame about promoting something that I'm proud of. And of this show, I am immensely proud. I love this show. I cannot wait to bring it to you every week. When I get done with a conversation, I cannot wait to finalize the episode and get it out into the world so people can hear it. And so that you can gain knowledge, gain insight, gain empathy. And that's really what it comes down to. Right? We're at a time in the world where acrimony, accusations, name-calling, demonization of others, unrest, unpleasantness, craven opportunism, and just plain ugliness towards our fellow humans feels suffocating. It feels like too much. And I feel like we owe it to ourselves to try and understand each other better. I want to increase empathy. I want to listen. I want to learn. I want to demystify the unknown. I want to connect with people of all walks of life. 
I want to be more thoughtful. I want to judge less and understand and empathize more. I want to connect people who otherwise would have no reason to connect. So when they find themselves on opposite sides of a controversial issue, they're less likely to beat each other into oblivion. Because that's what we do, goddammit. And not to proselytize and not to preach and not to stand on my fucking soapbox. But that is the thing that drives me the most crazy about this country right now. People in Congress, our president, and and this is not limited necessarily to this president, although I have personal objections to this president uh, in particular. And my biggest complaint is he doesn't seem to be self-reflective at all. He, he, he seems unwilling to be insightful, to look, or not insightful, but introspective. And instead of being introspective and thinking about the things that he has said, the things that he has done, and I've read enough profile pieces of him to know that this is not in his instinct. I don't know the man personally. I'll grant you that. I've never met him. I only know what I know based on what I've read about him. But based on those readings, the things that bother me the most are his lack of introspection, his lack of empathy. And I feel like George Costanza all the time in that I want to scream at people, you know, we're trying to have a society here. And we owe it to each other to get to know each other better. To try and understand each other. To try and build empathy. To try and say, look, I'm never going to agree with you, but I want to understand your point better. I want to understand your view of the world from where you sit. Because it is unique. And although I can never fully live in your shoes, I understand it better. I am unwilling to beat the holy living dog shit out of you to prove a point or to win or to get my issue to the front of whatever we're doing. You know, the ruthlessness is killing me. The world is a lovely place if we let it. But if we continue to just pound the living shit out of each other, we're not living in that. And so that's what the point of this show is. It's called John of All Trades. Now, as much as I don't want to think this show is about me, pretty much any art that you create ever is about you. You know, like on a core fundamental level, it's about you. And this show is about me. But my hope is that I am a conduit, that I am but a vehicle, that I am but a way in for you to build your empathy for the world. And when I talk to people, no matter who they are, you know, the the last episode I posted was Midian Crosby and she does monster makeup effects. And, you know, she told me, I can't remember if this was on or off mic. And that's the other bitch about this show. Some of the best stuff happens off mic. You know, we'll get done talking and they're like, oh yeah. So also this and this and this. And I go, well, God damn it. Why didn't that come up while we were talking? And so, I mean, It reminds me of watching the Real World Road Rules Challenge, where at the end of each season, they'd have a show called The Shit They Should Have Shown. And it's like, well, if you should have shown this, then why isn't that the goddamn show, right? So I feel disingenuous and like an ass telling you this, like all this stuff happened off mic. But Midian told me when she was in high school, 
or whenever it was sometime in her schooling years. It's like, do you, do you really want to look like that? You know, do you want to dye your hair this color? Do you want to wear that? Do you want to look like a freak? You know, whatever the, the criticism was and the teacher, the guidance counselor, whoever goes, you know, don't you want to be able to get a job or, you know, get a normal job? And she goes, well, if the people that I would be looking for a job with didn't like how I looked and didn't like who I was, why would I want to have that job? Right? I mean, I think in some ways we all feel like freaks. We all feel like outsiders. I have this client that I'm working on right now. And my job is to go and talk to businesses in this one community. And it, I mean, it's, it's a suburb uh, in the Denver metro area. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. But when I talk to my team, I go, you know what? Give me the freaks. Give me the outsiders. Give me the outcasts. Those are my peeps. That is my constituency. I love those people. And you know why? It's because if you talk to them like people, you know, everyone, no matter who they are, will put up a wall that you sort of have to get over. And if you treat them with respect and treat them like an adult, and, you know, don't come at them like they're an outsider or a freak. You get a lot done. So I'm trying to build the empathy in the world. Uh, I look at episode 124 with Tarek Chakra. And I've known Tarek forever. And Tarek is one of my favorite people to talk to. And, I mean, I wouldn't call Tarek a freak or an outsider. But he came from Lebanon in 1983. And Lebanon, if you remember your geopolitical history was uh, very much a U.S. hotspot at that time, right? I mean, the U.S. was bombing Beirut. There was kind of a lot going on at that time. And so off mics with Tarek, you know, I said, I'm sorry I asked you about the travel ban, uh, but as someone who has come from that region, and granted, the Middle East is not a monolith. That's the other thing. The Middle East, people who are Arab, people who worship Islam, they are not a monolith, and yet we want to treat them all the same way. That's fucked up. That's terrible. Um, think about just if you live in Denver, Kristen's a realtor, and she's had people say to her, it's like people in Denver are very tribal about their neighborhoods, right? And I thought that was a really good way of putting it because Kristen and I live in Park Hill, and we love Park Hill. And then, you know, people are like, oh, I live in Wash Park or I live in the Highlands or I live in Mayfair or like whatever it is. People are very proud of where they live. So imagine someone's like, oh, you're from North America, <laughs> right? Like you go somewhere, you go overseas and they're like, oh, you're from North America. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm from the United States. I'm from Colorado. And they're like, yeah, North America, just like I said. That's what we fucking do to the Middle East. It's like, oh, you're Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, kind of. I'm actually from Pakistan or, you know, <laughs> or uh, it's like, I'm not from the Middle East. I'm from India. Um, we just we deal with this shit with such low levels of nuance. And we boil each other down into talking points and into a bunch of glib factoids that may or may not be rooted in reality in a way that matters. I want to sit down with everyone and get to know them better. And by virtue of me getting to know them better, I hope that you get to know them better too. So 
I swear, I just I have my website open and I'm looking through my guests, and you know you've got Midian Crosby, who's a special effects makeup artist. That episode was awesome. Tarek Chakra, who has been an entrepreneur, he by his own admission has never had a real job, like a nine to five, like a W four job, W four, W two, whatever it is, whatever you fill out whenever you get a new job. Um, Josh Klaus and Patrick Combs, they're both beer nerds. Um, I have some friends and some people I know who have almost like overcorrected in terms of their annoyance at the craft beer movement, because if you're not involved sort of in craft beer or you're not a fan, it looks like snobbery and douchery of the highest order. And there's some of that, sure. But more importantly, I think it's just people who are fans. It's 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 people who have found something that they love and they're into it. I mean, how the fuck do you get mad at that? And so just like getting to, to peek in on episodes like that. Uh, Maya Klosterman, lead singer of the hits. We talk about what it's like to be an all-female rock band and some of the very subtle sexism that they experience. Uh, Nick Gossert is the creator of Lucha Libre and Laughs. And Nick, you know, we, we talk about pro wrestling, which it's so funny. I say this a lot, but nerd culture has won. Like, we live in nerd culture. Like, the nerds have taken over. The biggest fucking movies every year are superhero movies. Right? Like, that's all you see. And comic books of all stripes are adapted. Look at The Walking Dead, a show that I watched for about three seasons, and then I'm like, okay, this show sucks, and I hate it, and I'm done with it, but that's based on comics. Everything comes from nerd culture right now. Yet, pro wrestling, I still feel like has sort of uh, stigma attached to it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you like pro wrestling? You you like you like a bunch of dudes getting oiled up, wrestling around in their uh, in their underpants, fake fighting and stuff. It's like, well, okay, asshole. If you're going to couch it that way, then we're done talking here. And there's there's a quote about pro wrestling that is to those who believe and those who get it, no explanation is necessary. Right? I get. That, that they're cooperating together. I get that they're not actually, you know, feeling malice towards each other. They're putting on a show, right? It's a stage play. It's melodrama. It's, I think David Shoemaker classifies it as, remember Shakespearean theater when they wore the big wooden masks so they could portray the characters and the emotions all the way to the upper deck, all the way to the far reaches of the arena and the Coliseum. That's exactly what pro wrestling is. And so getting to look inside his world, what it's like to book a show, Tony Pigford, and Nick Jackson uh, at the boys school of Denver. That was fantastic. I asked them every tough question I could think of with regard to charter schools, our education system, how they get funding and why single gender. Okay. Education is absolutely at the heart of, of the lives of, of everyone when you get right down to it. I mean, an educated society is a good society, is a free society, and how we're educating kids fucking matters. So I owe it to them. I owe it to myself, and I owe it to you, most importantly, to ask them all the questions that you might not ever get a chance to ask. You know, I don't think of this necessarily as a journalistic endeavor, but it definitely has journalistic sort of roots, you know, I like to ask questions that matter. I like to get to the root of issues in our society. Fucking episode 119, Good God with Patrick Sheridan. 
So he started the Emerging Filmmakers Project, helping you know, people, and he talks about how he got more and more women involved because women are, are trained not to share their work, not to be boastful, to be you know, almost quiet. There's decades and centuries of patriarchy at work that prevents women from sharing their voices. Patrick helped them you know, share their work in the filmmaking community. But more importantly than that, the dude is fighting pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer has a 3 to 5% survival rate, which, fuck, right? God. And he is going at it. He has had to cobble together his own treatments. He's had to become an expert in sort of the gray market and treatments that work because he rejected radiation and chemo, which was a bold choice. I mean, that was, that was expensive enough as it is. But to go outside the entire medical system, he is cobbling this shit together and the fact that I got to sit down with him and he got to talk to me very raw for more than an hour. I will treasure that forever. And I mean, that episode is a very poignant example, but there is not a show in here that I felt like wasted your time. And I feel like it did not waste your time because it did not waste my time. And shit, I work for myself. I have two girls one of which is two, about two and a half. The other is eight months, who I just mentioned didn't sleep last night for three and a half fucking hours. I don't have time to fritter away. Now, okay, so I'm going to backtrack for just a minute. Because uh, one of my favorite things in the entire world is... It, it, I don't know if you call it a genre of goods. I, I don't know. But things that are too stupid to exist yet somehow do. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. In our living room, we have a cross-stitched phrase in a frame. So someone cross-stitched this, put it in a frame, and sold it to us at the punk rock, what was it? The the, the punk rock craft fair uh, at, uh, where the hell was this? The Glitter Dome. But okay, so it's a cross-stitched phrase. It says, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. So someone cross-stitched a fucking DMX song lyric, <laughs> put it in a frame, sold it to me, and I display it in my house. That is something that is too stupid to exist, yet does. And I love that. I love shit like that. So I'm not saying everything we do or everything that exists has to have a point or some deeper purpose or deeper meaning or, you know, it's it, it has to have some fucking highfalutin fart sniffing reason de tray. I, I don't even know if I'm using that correctly, but that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying though, is if I'm going to take the time to put some art or put something into the world that I want someone else to listen to or someone else to pay attention to, it is going to have a point. It is going to have some meaning and that meaning for me is building empathy in the world. It is helping us understand each other. It is breaking down barriers. It is increasing our knowledge, increasing our love, increasing our fondness, and diminishing the hate and the vitriol that sometimes feels suffocating in this society. I mean, God damn it! if we're not doing that, then what the fuck are we doing? And I'm sorry this is so profane, but you know what? Exhaustion and alcohol will uh, just make the truth float to the surface. So, why does my show exist? Those are the reasons. That's why I care. That's why I do this. 
This show, I'll be honest with you, is an enormous pain in the ass a lot of the time. It is a huge fucking pain in the ass to do this show. And again, I don't like to bitch about this, but fuck, the mic's on. I'm already into it. It is hard to book guests. It is hard to get our schedules to align. It takes time to clean up these episodes so they sound good when you download them and listen to them in your car or in your headphones or wherever you choose to listen to this show. Okay, it is fucking hard. And there are times where I'm like, why am I doing this show? Why do I still give a shit? Why does it matter? And I think, you know, there are so many people with stories that deserve to be told. I want to feature them. And that's why I'm going to do it. That's why I'm going to buck up, Buttercup. Keep booking shows. Keep editing them. Keep putting them out into the world. And you know what? I hope it makes a difference. Now, getting back to the self-promotion side. That's why I do what I do. And here's where I ask you to do something. Once again, the West Word is doing its reader's choice. It is doing the best of Denver 2017. Now, I was a finalist last year for best Denver podcast. I didn't win. I didn't win the editor's pick, and I didn't win the reader's pick. That's fine. It was cool to be nominated. It's looking like this year, and if this is wrong, then I will send out a note after the fact. But it's looking like they're not going to narrow it down to finalists this year. It's just totally open-ended. So I've already put out one call. I sent out an email blast to my entire list asking for people to nominate me for Best Denver Podcast. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to ask you to go to readerschoice.westword.com. And vote for me. Write in John of All Trades podcast in the little nominating form. It's readerschoice.westward.com. It's under the orange tab. It's nine entries down. It's Best Denver podcast. Write in John of All Trades podcast. If you like this show, and if you've you've listened to me now for, what, 25 minutes, going on and on and on, about why I do this show and why I care and why it matters, then presumably you like this show. Do me a solid vote for me for Westward Reader's Choice. I watched something online recently where Jerry Seinfeld is receiving an award, and he basically talks about how fucking pointless awards are. It's one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever seen, because he's absolutely right. Anytime you get people in an industry, no matter what the industry is, getting up there and glad-handing, and, you know, virtually filleting each other, then that's generally not a good use of anyone's time. And what the hell are we all doing? But I will tell you this. Because I care about this show, and because I recognize that awards and acclaim are a means to an end, like, I don't give a shit if I win this award or not. Like, on its own merit. You know, like, I don't need the award to validate what I'm doing. But what I do recognize is that awards and acclaim can help you grow your audience. And if I can point more people to this show where I believe that I am doing work that matters in increasing empathy, increasing our understanding, and lowering the level of hate and vitriol in our society, then shit, I may as well pursue it, right? I recognize that it's a means to an end. So don't vote for me necessarily because you think I have the best show. Do I have the best show in Denver? I don't know. I'm damn proud of it. But fuck, Paul Caroli is doing incredible work. 
on his show, Changing Denver. That show is outstanding. These Things Matter is wrapping up, and I cannot tell you how upset I am about that. Because These Things Matter, probably, if, if I'm just judging this objectively, is the best show in Denver. They're doing fantastic work. And there are a ton more like it. Those are just two examples, and two that I deeply, deeply love. Real Nerds Podcast has been going forever. Brad and Ryan and James, God, those guys are... are tireless in the work that they do it's fucking crazy i cannot believe they have done their show every week i miss weeks i do generally three episodes a month they don't miss a week and they go and see a new movie every single week how the fuck are they doing that that's a crazy show they're doing great work so do i have the best show i don't know but i think it's damn good so if you do too if you get some value out of it if you think that other people would benefit from hearing my show, vote for this. Vote for it at readerschoice.westward.com. Because the more people that hear this show, I firmly believe the more we get to know each other, the better off we all are. And that's exactly what I'm hoping to do. So give me a vote. That's what the point of this show is. And in particular, this episode. So... I thank you. I don't know what else to say. I thank you for listening to me. I thank you for caring. I thank you for taking the time to vote if you've done that. It means to me more than you'll ever know. And the fact that you let me into your life and let me talk to you and let me bring people to you that you might not otherwise get to see or hear from, that means the world to me. This is three years. I've been doing this show for three years now. And next week, I'm revisiting some of my first three guests. So that's going to be fun. That's the three-year anniversary show. I launched the show with three episodes all in the same day. And three years later, let's see what's up with those three guests. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see how the world has changed for them. That's going to be a great show. I can't wait to bring it to you. But that's next week. So... For this week, I'm in Arizona. It's supposed to be good weather. I'm, in, I'm looking forward to taking my girls down there. Looking forward to just changing the routine, right? I mean, there are times where, especially as a parent, you get locked in your house, you get locked in your routine, and you start going, okay, this feels like a fucking straitjacket. We got to change it up at least for three or four days. So that's what we're doing down in Arizona. Can't wait to see uh, my mother-in-law. Uh, I love the, the goofy little community she lives in. Uh, we had a great time last year, so uh, we'll be back at it the next week. And uh, you know what? We're back in routine. So, all right. Should we play the outro? Let's play the outro. Thanks for listening to this very special solo up of the John of All Trades podcast. It is now over. Uh, let's pay some love to our sponsor as long as I'm thinking about it. Four Degrees, number four. D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Four Degrees is the place you go when you have a product or a service and you think to yourself, uh, I don't know how I'm going to market this. I don't know the best way. How do I find the audience that most needs to hear about what I do? You go to Four Degrees, right? They will build you a website. They will build you a web campaign. They will optimize the audiences that need to hear your message most. If you don't know what those audiences are, they will help you define them. So the number four D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. 
The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. That DBJ profile piece that I got, that was the last solo episode I did. That is now down from behind the paywall. So we'll have a link to that in the companion blog piece to this show, johnofalltrades.us. And uh, check it out there. So uh, Denver Business Journal wrote a profile piece of me. Uh, you can now view it for free, uh, which is a great, great benefit. John of All Trades is on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, at J-O-A-T-Pod. New episode previews go up only on Facebook. That happens on Monday. New episodes drop Wednesday. JohnofAllTrades.us, iTunes, Stitcher. We'll see you back here next week for the big three-year anniversary spectacular. And until then, say goodnight, Tracy. That's good, Johnny.